Well, thanks especially to Pastor Samuel and the whole team. It was great to see all of you up here today, spread out across the front and leading us in worship. That's so encouraging and exciting to have that. And for everyone who's come out on site and everybody watching online, uh, thanks so much for being with us today. We're going to do something a little bit different over the next three Sundays. And we'll see how this goes. Uh, you can tell me after. Check in for each Sunday and see how beneficial it is. Instead of doing a normal sermon series, we thought we'd do a kind of public BBC 101. Not the British Broadcasting Corporation. You know, it's Bonavista Baptist Church we're talking about. Um, but normally, a couple of times a year, we gather people who are fairly new or kind of interested to come together, have lunch, and find out more about the vision, the mission, the values, the history of this church and how we're connected um, around the world. And so we're going to do some of that publicly. So I hope it's beneficial. I hope if you're fairly new or even if you've never come on site, you get a sense of who we are and what God has called us to do in this place. And I hope if you've been here forever, like Doug, 40, 50, 70 years, however long you've been here, Stop picking on Doug. Um, however long you've been here, that it'll be a refresher, and it will call you back to the common mission that we have together. So today, we are going to be focusing on BBC proper, the local church and what we're called to do here. We're kind of following a pattern that we discover in Acts chapter 1, which we're going to read in a minute, where uh, Jesus says, you know, you're going to start in Jerusalem and then go to Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. So today we're starting in our Jerusalem right here, Bonavista Baptist Church. Next Sunday, we have Rob Ogilvie, and he is the executive minister for our denomination. And he's going to come, and he's going to share something about our connection to the Canadian Baptists of Western Canada. Now on the third Sunday, we have Dennis Shearman, who's the uh, regional wet rep for Western Canada with Canadian Baptist Ministries, which was my old job. And he's going to be coming here and sharing some of our connection internationally. So I think it's going to be an exciting time as we discover all these connections. Well, Tom Cruise is not coming here. I don't even think he's a Baptist. In fact, I know he's not a Baptist. <laughs> but he does have a new movie, and this isn't a plug for his movie. Don't misunderstand me. He has a new movie coming out, I think in 2022, and the movie is called what? Mission Impossible, right? That's the whole franchise. This is number seven. They're just milking it for all it's worth, right? Mission Impossible. And in case you're not familiar with how the whole Mission Impossible uh, movie starts, usually there's a message that comes to a secret agent, and he's on a plane or something like that, right? And the message starts with some important words. What are they? Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is. And then it goes on to spell out the mission. And then at the very end it says, this message will self-destruct in 10 nine, eight, right? Hopefully no messages self-destruct during this time, um, but we do want to talk about mission. And if you've never watched the franchise Mission Impossible, spoiler alert, they usually always complete the mission. <laughs> so it's called Mission Impossible, but really it's always possible. And I think that's part of the theme we want to pick up today in the mission that God has called us to, that it is Mission Possible that God has called us to something very exciting. So the word mission is what I want to focus on for today. The word mission is actually not found very much in our English translation of the New Testament. There's another word used 
that relates to apostle, or the apostolos. And the word means sent. But it implies this idea of mission. And in fact, when we say the word mission, whether it's mission impossible or the mission of the church, it does imply a number of things, at least in my mind. It implies, first of all, movement, some kind of action that we're being called to. It implies also purpose. So not just movement randomly and chaotically, but movement and action deliberately in a particular direction. And it also, I think, implies risk. Uh, the, the characters in Mission Impossible don't know if they're going to make it out alive. And so when we take up the word mission, it implies these things, including risk, that the mission could be costly. And I think all of those apply to the mission of the church. It's interesting that churches in the 90s especially, they spent a lot of time on mission statements. Were you part of that? Maybe in your church or maybe in this church? Uh, so much time was spent and energy in crafting carefully formulated mission statements. And I think we did that because the business world did it in the 80s. <laughs> and we were kind of learning from them, and the business world did it because a man by the name of Peter Drucker in the 70s told them they were supposed to. But it, it's all good. It, it's basically saying, instead of just having a random collection of activities, we should have a purpose to what we do. We should have a direction, a focus, that we move our energies toward. And that's really what we're looking at. And so we do have a mission statement here at Bonavista Baptist Church. And I want to start with that. Your mission, our mission, should we choose to accept it, is this. To invite, encourage, and equip people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's our mission. No matter what we do, what we're doing right now, we're, we're fulfilling the mission. We're inviting, equipping, and encouraging you to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. This last week, our wonderful trustees uh, had to go out into the parking lot and they had to solve a drainage issue. They had to call in a big uh, vacuum truck and all sorts of stuff because we suddenly had lakefront property the other week, if you were here. And we actually don't want lakefront property. And so they had to bring in the truck and they had to troubleshoot and they got it solved. Yay to the trustees. Well done. You can clap for them. That's part of the mission. I, I don't know if we realize that. That what they did is so that we can invite, encourage, and equip people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Until we understand that every line item in our budget is focused on the mission, then we're not getting it. Everything we do is focused toward this. Now, Lindsay and the mission team, they've done an amazing job, especially this last couple of years, in mobilizing us for particular projects. And sometimes we do have a missions budget, and that's important to have that. But really, I want us to understand that the whole church budget is our mission budget, that all that we do is focused on this mission, to invite, encourage, and equip people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. It implies movement, doesn't it? It implies action. It implies purpose and intentionality. And I think it also implies risk. There's a risk that some people don't want to hear the gospel. <laughs> There's a risk that some people will turn on us. <laughs> There's a risk that we might not do it as best as we could or can. So all of these things are wrapped up in this idea of mission. Well, where does it come from? 
Where does our mission statement and the idea of being on mission together, where does it come from? I want to read you three short passages from Scripture today, and beginning at John chapter 20. And just listen for those three aspects of mission, movement, purpose, and risk. As I read through these, the words I think will be on the screen. John 20. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after this, he said, and after he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. If you want to understand mission, understand how the Father sent Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his Son, and we are sent in that same love into the world. Okay, Matthew chapter 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I always find that phrase interesting. We always assume the disciples, well, they saw Jesus personally. They witnessed his resurrection from the dead. And yet there were those that were saying, I don't know what to make of this. So if you're in that camp of saying, I sometimes struggle and wrestle with a few questions, that's okay. So did the original disciples. Here they are. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Sometimes that's translated, As you are going into all the world, make disciples. There's an assumption that we will be on movement, on mission. And then finally, Acts chapter 1. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Three great passages that set us up for mission that really call us to pay attention. And I'm not going to exegete every single one of them, but I, I ask you and encourage you to reflect on them in these next few weeks. In John, we see that aspect of mission that is movement. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. In Matthew, that aspect of movement, go, is also coupled with purpose. Make disciples of all nations. And then in Acts, we hear a hint of risk. <laughs> Don't just do this with the people you know and in your own hometown, but I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to send you out in ways that you are going to be nervous about to the ends of the earth. And we hear all of that in these passages that we've read. And so there is a clear, unambiguous statement of the church's mission to the world. And here's our task. 
Our task as the gathered body of Christ is to make disciples by bearing witness to Jesus Christ, the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. That's our task. It's all about discipleship. It's all about making disciples. A disciple, of course, is a learner. You're a disciple of someone. You're learning from them. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is one who understands and embodies the teaching of a master. We are meant to be disciples of Jesus. So the question is this. How do we invite, encourage, and equip people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus? That's the question, isn't it? How do we do that? How do we make disciples? How do we fulfill the mission that we've been given? Well, the counter question is this. How did Jesus do it? I actually, I don't think it's rocket science. I don't think there's any magic formula. I think it's actually pretty plain what Jesus did. He did at least three things. He invited people to spend time with him. That was a big part, so they could hear his teaching, so that they could see what he did, how he behaved in the world. Then he encouraged them to create community. That was part of the disciple-making process. And then the third thing is he equipped them to serve the world. Jesus sent them out. And those three aspects are actually what we find in our mission statement here. And that's a good thing. I don't think we're meant to come up with something revolutionary and completely new. I think we're meant to echo the mission that Jesus gave to his original disciples, and we do that. So, the same way at Bonavista Baptist Church that Jesus practiced, we are practicing the way to make disciples. And so I have three statements that I didn't come up with, I inherited. They're part of this congregation and have been for a number of years. And the three statements are found actually on the banners that we've been displaying for the last uh, few months. In case you didn't notice them, have a closer look. These are the three statements of value and practice. Practically, how are we going to make disciples? Statement number one, develop a passion for Christ. We want to invite people to spend time getting to know Jesus. Statement number two, we want to develop a heart for people. We want to encourage the formation of Christian community in this place. And step number three, as we seek to make disciples, is to cultivate a life of service, to equip people to reach out to a broken world in the name of Jesus. It's, it's simple. This, I know some of you are like, I've heard this. Yes, I hope you have. <laughs> because it's foundational to what we're doing. And we, we just simply need to give ourselves to these tasks in order to make disciples and fulfill our mission. Well, let's, let's lean into those statements just a little bit more, and I'll give you a little bit more to think about as we go through this message today. First of all, passion for Christ. Why? Think about it for a second. Why is it important to develop a passion for Christ? Well, here's my answer. Because Jesus changes everything. If we really grasp a hold of this, and occasionally I feel in my heart, my soul, and my mind, I catch a glimpse of what Jesus has done for us. If we really believe that Jesus came and that he died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was raised again the third day according to the Scriptures, if we really believe that a man came for us, died, and came back to life, that would change everything for us, wouldn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, we think about it. Our greatest enemy, the greatest enemy that we cannot defeat is death. I think some of us have 
come close to that or faced it or, or brushed up against it or had loved ones pass away this last little while and we realize the finality that death feels like, right? And yet Jesus came, died, and came back to life. That changes everything. It changes everything because also Jesus says that if you believe in me, you also will experience the resurrection from the dead. Which means that death is not the end. Death is not the, the finality that it seems. If we have faith in Jesus Christ, then we have hope, not just for this life, but the life that is to come. Can you feel a little bit of passion stirring? <laughs> when we talk about Jesus, we should. Jesus changes everything. I remember, I think it was in the 80s, there used to be these big campaigns that came through the Okanagan. And the I found it campaign, it all seemed a little aggressive to me, even as a kid. But, you know, we're talking about Jesus. And then there's a bunch of bumper stickers that came out and said, Jesus is the answer. And some people thought, that's silly. What was the question? You know, some smart guy probably said. But that is the reality. Jesus is the answer. How do we deal with the conflicts and the problems in this world? What's the answer? Jesus is the answer. How do we deal with our uncertainties in life? Jesus is the answer. We could go through all of these single things that we face. And I do fully believe that Jesus is the answer. This is the gospel. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, but he rose again on the third day. And so if we understand that, if we believe that, then it's natural to develop a passion for Christ and also to share that passion with those around us. We're not conquest disciple makers. We're not out there to try and conquer a community and make them Christian. That's not the idea. That's terrible. That's a terrible thing the church has done from time to time, and it has resulted in disastrous harm to the world around us. No, we understand the gift we have been given in the resurrection of Jesus, and we want others to enjoy that gift too. That's why the words in our mission statement are invitational to invite, encourage, and equip people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Not to force them into the church to become Christians. That's a whole different mission. We're not part of that. So how do we do that? Well, I think practically here we do it in a number of ways, but worshiping together like this is probably the primary way that we seek to develop a passion for Christ. And I think it's been the most consistent thing that we have done during this COVID season. You know this thing called COVID? Everybody just wanted to go away. <laughs> and yet in the midst of this, thanks to Pastor Samuel and his family, who are sitting here at the front, largely, and so many others who have jumped in to help out, we have maintained a consistent presence in worship through this whole time. Why? Because we want to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We want to develop a passion for Christ. And so whether it's sermons or songs or prayers or readings, all of our elders very carefully, Elaine did this morning, very carefully think through how can I present a prayer and invite people to prayer together. Why? So that we can develop a passion for Christ. That's what we're about. That's what we're doing. Okay, the second one. And I will be as passionate about this as well. <laughs> the second statement is this. We want to cultivate and develop a heart for people. Do you know that there's about 500 names on our church database? And these are people that we've encountered over the last number of years. Maybe it's through day camp, or maybe they came 
for a time and a season with us. But that's over 500 people that we've had connection with just in the last few years. I would say that there's probably over 300 active participants in the life of Bonavista Baptist Church. We don't always get to see that, especially during COVID times, because we see who's here and we don't always see who's connected uh, through our online strategies. But here's the reason I want to bring those numbers up. When we try and uh, cultivate a heart for people, when you try and cultivate Christian community, the goal cannot be to know everyone. That's impossible. You can do that when you're a really small church. I know when Christine and I were church planting in Surrey, we started with 11 people. You should be able to know 11 people, right? Even when we got to 25, we were the fastest growing church in the denomination for a few weeks. We suddenly more than doubled in size. And, but we still knew everybody. But once you get to 70, 80, 100 people, it's impossible to know everyone. When we get to the size that we're at, it cannot be the goal. The goal cannot be to know everyone, but this can be the goal. The goal can be to create a place where everyone is known. You hear the difference? We can't know everyone, but we can create a place where everyone is known. That's our goal, that everybody that comes through the door has a connection that's meaningful, important, that they, their lives are witnessed by someone else, that there's an availability of a human connection at some point along the line. And normally, normally we do this through our small groups. Samuel, Pastor Samuel, had a great plan for the fall. And he was beginning to meet with small group leaders and see how the connection would work out. He had all sorts of things planned, and then more restrictions came down the line. And most of our small groups are just not meeting right now. I think that's been the single greatest loss to the sense of community during this time of COVID, is not being able to have regular, meaningful connection through our small groups. That's been really, really hard for us. And we're going to try and get back to that again. That's why I keep encouraging you, call one another. If someone from this congregation or a neighbor or a family member comes to mind, assume that that is God by His Holy Spirit putting that name on your heart and take action. Call them, text them, email them, contact them, because that's the only way right now that I think we can maintain this idea of being known to one another as we develop a heart for people. But I'm also so grateful that we have other agencies within this congregation that continue to foster a heart for people. Our benevolent committee. I could list all the different ways the benevolent team has stepped in to help out individuals and families, especially during this crisis time. Or I think about the prayer group, those that meet for, for prayer occasionally as we come together on a Wednesday night through Zoom, or however it is, whether it's just two of us or whether it's 20 of us, just being able to pray together. And our pastoral visitation team, Bob is here, and I'm so grateful for his leadership in calling us together to pay attention to the needs of the congregation. You know, when we meet together as a pastoral visitation team, this is a little plug for getting your name and address in the church directory, because we literally take pages of that and we go through and we pray for people. And we say, who needs a phone call? Who needs some help? Who can we come alongside? And that team has been wonderful in reaching out because the reality is, I can't do it. I can't, I can't know and connect with 300 to 500 people, but we have teams that are willing to reach out, and that is so good. So we develop a heart for people as we make disciples of Jesus because we want to intentionally create community. Okay, 
the third statement, a life of service. Now, in a very real sense, each and every one of us as individual followers of Jesus, we are called to be salt and light. We are called to love our neighbor. We are called to do this on our own. But there is something very special about the collective, not the Borg. Every time I say collective, I think of the you know, Star Wars and, or Star Trek and the Borg. But the sense of being together and the things that we do together that we can't do alone. And that's what I'm talking about when we think about a life of service. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. The church, this church, does not exist for the comfort of its members. That's so important for us to remember. We actually exist, and we maintain this facility. We maintain staff. We do all of these things for those that are not yet here and part of us, and especially for those who have not yet heard and responded to the gospel of Jesus. If we're not doing that, then we just become a club. And we're not meant to be a club. I mean, it's good to be together. It's good to know someone else as we come for fellowship and worship and all of that. But the bottom line is we are meant to serve. That's what Jesus calls us to do. And it's so important. If you ever want to break power and a grip on power, learn to serve. Jesus talked about it all the time, learning to serve. I love it that in this last um, uh, month, uh, Eric's at the back there, and he led our, our youth to do this rake and run <laughs> project where they literally just, uh, when I first heard it, I thought, this is going to go badly. I just, I'm just not sure. I'll hold back my thoughts and reservations. I pictured a bunch of youth running around with rakes and sharp implements, um, running randomly onto people's lawns and doing all sorts of damage. That's not what happened. <laughs> they actually asked first if they could rake the person's lawn. And in a very simple act, they gave witness to our community that we're here to serve. And it was so well received. It was so amazing to see how people responded to that. I love that. I love that our mission committee is calling us once again to remember those in our own community through In From The Cold who have needs that we can help with, tangible ways of serving. I love that we're still sponsoring refugees. I love that we're still doing the kinds of things that God is calling us to do so that we don't absorb all of our resources for our own benefit that we're constantly being forced to give beyond ourselves, to move out from these walls in order to serve the community. Alexander Schmemann might not be a name that you know too well. He wrote a great book called For the Life of the World. And he has this quote that I'll read to you. The church, if it is to be the church, must be the revelation of the divine love which God poured out into our hearts. Without this love, nothing is valid in the church because nothing is possible. When we serve, we display the love of God to the world around us. So those are three statements. Passion for Christ, a heart for people, a life of service, and a few things to keep in mind of what we're doing to see that come together. So some people then ask, well then what's, what's the vision? How does all this come together? And I would simply say this, that we want to do these things as a truly intergenerational community. That's been something we've been talking about. What, what is the particular thing God is calling us to at this time? And this is part of it, is to be a truly intergenerational community. Have a look around those who are here and know that we have kids downstairs and kids in the nursery. And we see that there's people from all ages. 
who are part of our congregation. That's so important. And we should never just assume that that's normal. I've been in churches where there's nobody under 60. That's not a bad thing. It's not like you're over 60, you're done. That's not the idea. But I remember the time when a baby, a, a family with a baby, came into that church service. And I might as well not have bothered preaching because all eyes were focused on the baby. The hope that came that Sunday morning when a baby came into the church service. And so we have an amazing gift here at Bonavista Baptist, possibility to be a truly intergenerational worshiping and witnessing community. That doesn't mean that we simply tolerate our youth those rambunctious, smelly kids. We don't just simply tolerate or create a little bit of space for them or, or put them off in the ghetto of youth ministries. That's not what we want to do. We actually we want them to shape us. We want them at times to lead us. We want them to participate fully in the life of this community so that we are shaped by them and even led by them. And it also doesn't mean that we just kind of appease and keep happy our senior adults, right? That's not what we're about. We want to mobilize them. They have so much to share as they connect with a younger generation. That's the biblical way of behaving in Christian community is so that the older might teach the younger and the younger might just poke and prod the older. <laughs> and together we find this wonderful intergenerational community. That's possible here. And that's what we want to lean into. So I have people ask me, so what are our three-year plans? What are our five-year plans? And honestly, I'm so glad that churches have given up on three- and five-year plans for the most part. I think if anything that we learned from COVID, it's sometimes Pastor Samuel and I look at each other and say, what are we doing tomorrow? What are we doing this week? And then by Friday, we have to change it again. But COVID has taught us something really important. It's taught us that sometimes it's about what is right in front of us that we need to pay attention to, not something that's out there in the uncertain future. I think we're called to celebrate the good things that are in the present. I think we're called to pay attention to what's immediate to us, to what's right here. Uh, last um, elders meeting, we gathered around together, and one of our elders reminded me of Henry Blackaby. Has anybody heard that name? He is a Baptist, a Southern Baptist, who actually did a lot of work, him and his son, in Canada and right here in Calgary. And Henry Blackby came out with a great uh, series called Experiencing God. And the bottom line of Experiencing God is this. Assume, because it's true, that God is always at work all around us. Start with that. I want to encourage you to start with that this week. We don't take Jesus into the world. We don't take God into the world. God is already at work all around us. If we start with that assumption, then the question becomes this. Where is God at work, and how do we join in the work that he's doing? As we wrap up this message today, let me just personally mention a few things where I see God at work. And I won't elaborate on this. I'm just going to put it out there as part of our orientation to what's happening here in this church. Where is God working? I think at Bonavista Baptist, God is raising up a new generation of leaders. I think we need to lean into that. We've seen that over a number of years. We've seen it from the dedication of some of our amazing youth volunteers who have given of their life and time and energy into our youth group. We see it through our connection with Gull Lake Camp. We see it in so many ways, in the way that 
our youth are serving right here, right now, in all that they're doing around, because without them, I don't think we'd be able to function. God is raising up a new generation of leaders, and we're being called to pay attention, invest in that, and lean into it. I think also that God is providing us with ways to serve the larger community. The fact that we have a building, and so many of our, our fellow churches who are maybe smaller and didn't have a building, they've been struggling this last 19 months. And we've been able to embrace two of them here, Emmanuel Baptist and Newgate Baptist, to use the space so that they can have a place to continue the mission that God has called them to do. That's so, so important that God is calling us to use the resources we have to serve the larger community. I think through our live streaming and our wonderful tech team that has been developing over this time and Pastor Samuel and all that he has done, God is providing us with ways to serve the larger community. Right after the message today, I'm going up to spend time in hospice with a, a couple that maybe some of you will know, but who have never really attended the church here, but they consider themselves part of Bonavista Baptist. Ray and Isabel Johnson, who some of you might know the name. Ray has ALS. In the last uh, couple of months, uh, it's really taken a toll, and now he's in hospice care. And so after this, I'm going to go up and visit with some of your fellow members who have never actually sat in this building because God is enabling us to reach out beyond the walls and serve the larger community. Third thing, God is calling us to serve and mobilize our senior adults. This has been really on my heart the last number of weeks and num number of months. I think the group that has that faced uh, a lot of vulnerability through this time of COVID has been our senior adults, whether those living on their own or in senior adult communities. And we have a tremendous opportunity to serve these people and see them mobilized to bless this church and beyond. I think that's part of what God is calling us to do. But I also think that God is stirring our hearts toward justice. At the beginning of this season in September, um, I, I took up Amos as an Old Testament prophet and around the theme of justice. And I have to admit, I was really nervous because justice is such a catchword in our society right now. And as we began to unfold that series and lean into it, so many people responded with positive uh, sense of this is what God is calling us to do. God is stirring our hearts toward justice. Okay, back to Tom Cruise, just for a moment. can't believe I mentioned Tom Cruise twice in the sermon. One thing about Mission Impossible, and you can forget about Tom Cruise, but anyway, remember the, the catch here. One thing about Mission Impossible is that whenever the message is delivered, the agent always seems to have a choice. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, right? And so I need to ask you a question. This is an honest question. First of all, have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you accepted the invitation to repent and believe the gospel? Pause about that for a moment, because I think we can get caught up in being part of the church for a very long time and yet never have responded to the gospel in a personal way. I think we can learn the language of the church and the behavior of Christians. I think we can get caught up in the community life and just make assumptions that we are safe in Christ. And so I have to ask you that question. If we're about making disciples, the first step is to respond to the call to repent and believe the gospel. Have you 
decided to follow Jesus? And if you have, then my second question, if you consider yourself part of this community, do you choose to accept this mission to make disciples together in this area at this time as we develop a passion for Christ, a heart for people, and a life of service? Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful that you sent your Son, that we are here today because of your great love, your initiative, the work that you've been doing in the world, and the work that you've done in our lives. It's all about you, and we give you all the praise and the glory. Father, I do pray for those that might be here today or listening through live stream who have not yet responded to that generous call to follow after Jesus. I pray that in their heart today, they would just take a moment and say yes. Not knowing what the future will hold or not knowing all that it will mean or not even being able to articulate a full theology of the incarnation or anything like that, but just say, Jesus, today I trust you with my life and with whatever lies ahead. I will follow. And Father, help us to say that each and every day as your people in this place at Bonavista Baptist Church. Give us the courage and the wisdom to make disciples as we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.